Let me invite all of us to turn in the Bibles to Luke chapter 11. I'll be Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Luke 11, uh, verses 1 through 4 this morning. We're going to begin a series of sermons the next four weeks looking at uh, what I think is a very important topic and looking at a very important passage of Scripture in Luke, uh, and that is prayer. Uh, specifically, we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer that's found in Luke chapter 11, or what some has begun to call the Disciples' Prayer, as it's really a prayer teaching the disciples how to pray. And that's what I want us to do in the next four weeks, is to learn about prayer, uh, learn how to pray, and how Jesus modeled prayer, and how Jesus teaches us to pray. And um, I'll start with a very uh, important question this morning, one that I've asked myself a good bit this week, and it's, it's this. How is your prayer life? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your time with the Father? How would you rate your prayer life? And I think if all of us would honestly reflect upon that question, we would say it's not where we want it to be. It's not where God wants it to be. It's not where it should be. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, today it might be an 8, tomorrow it might be a 1, some days it might be a 0. Your prayer is one of those things that we know as Christians is important, we know it is foundational, but we don't always do it like we know we should. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, so your one is some of us just don't have time. I mean, I'm sure I mean, we're all busy. We live in a busy culture. Sometimes it's hard for us to make time just to sit and talk or sit and listen to the Father. Other reasons are we may not know how to pray. Uh, we may have been taught to say prayers. We may have been taught how to recite prayers, but not we, nobody's ever taught us how to pray. Nobody has sat down and discipled us and taught us that. And uh, I think that's what we see in our, the, the verses we're going to look at today is that there's a desire to know how to pray. Some people think prayer doesn't work. And some people may think, well, if prayer worked, then I would do it. Well, and I understand where that's coming from because there's probably someone here or all of us here have experienced a time where we prayed earnestly for something, where we prayed desperately for something and it didn't work out the way we wanted. And that maybe gave us a bad flavor about prayer. It's like, you know, I prayed for this, I wanted this, and God didn't hear me or God didn't answer it. But just for that, I want to say this, God does answer your prayers, but He answered it in the way He knew was best. And that's hard for us to realize and hard for us to accept. Um, some of us may not know what prayer even is. When we hear that word, it's kind of become a churchy word where Christians talk about prayer, but not everybody knows what prayer really is. And so I hope that as we go through these next four weeks that we're going to answer some of these questions. We're going to see why prayer is important. We're going to see why we need to make time to pray. We're going to understand what prayer is, and we're going to learn how to pray. And today, as we look at the opening verses of the Scripture, we see that Jesus models for us the importance of prayer. And as we start, I want to give us a working definition or a definition of prayer. Okay, This is in your notes. Uh, if you don't have a copy of the bulletin, you might want to write it down or type it in your file. But the, the definition of prayer that we're going to work with for the next four weeks is this. Prayer is communication with God. It is communication with God. Because of our dependence on God. It is communication with God because of our dependence on God. Now I want to think, I want you to think about this. Communication is an essential aspect of our life, right? 
being able to talk to each other, being able to communicate, is how we grow relationships. It's how we come close to each other. I thought of a story this week that I thought would kind of relate the importance of communication, and I like telling stories about myself, including when it's funny. In middle school, I dated a girl. Shocking. The, um, you know, I, I had a girlfriend in middle school. In fact, I actually had two in this particular instance because the one, I didn't know she was my girlfriend. And you're like, well, how do you not know? Well, apparently we became boyfriend and girlfriend in like sixth grade. Now, I'm, this is happening in eighth grade. Uh, we had not been in the same class since sixth grade. We had not been on the same team, so to speak, in sixth grade. We hadn't talked to each other in two years outside, you know, at all. And on Valentine's Day of the 8th grade year, she shows up with a Valentine's gift for me. She just found me in the hall, walked up, Happy Valentine's Day. And I had a gift for my other girlfriend. And at that moment, I didn't know what to do. So I was like, all right, here you go. You see, communication's important. I didn't know I had two girlfriends. And I felt really bad about it. I didn't know this girl knew it. I just didn't know. That's in the importance of communications. If we had been able to talk to each other, then I would have been prepared to have two girlfriends, although we shouldn't do that. But it was okay. But communication is vitally important. Think about this. If you're married, you show up, but you have Baron, uh, Baron. Aaron and Bethany are back from their honeymoon. If they would have said their vows and went mute for the rest of their life. Now, you know, men might be thinking, not me, not this man. But some men might be thinking, or some women might, really some women might be thinking, I wish my husband would go mute for a while. But if we said our vows and then went mute for an extended period of time, how strong would the marriage be? Not strong at all. Because you got to have communication. Communication is vitally important. Uh, you know, you got to have, I love this, you got to have pillow talk, right? For marriages to get strong and to grow, you got to have communication. For relationships to succeed, you got to talk to each other, not just in marriage. For friendships to succeed, you got to talk to each other. So here's my point with this. Prayer is communication with God, and it's about a relationship with God. There is no substitute for spending time talking to the Father. Don't miss that. There is no substitute for spending time talking and listening to God. Not just once a week. Not just once a day. Although there's something important about having that once a day seclusion where you're alone spending time with the Father. It's not just, oh, life is going bad, things aren't working out the way I thought, i got to go pray. No, no, no. Prayer is a constant communication with the Father. And that's what we see when we get to our verses today. And Jesus models for us that prayer is essential to the Christian life. It is essential with our relationship with God the Father. We're going to read all of it this morning. But we'll be focusing on verse 1. Luke 11. He, Jesus, was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, Whenever you pray, say, Father, and your your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us of our sins as we also forgive everyone in debt to us. And do not bring us in to temptation. Let's pray together. 
Father, as we open your book and study on how to communicate with you, I pray that your spirit would move in our hearts, that we would see the importance of it, that we would develop consistent and courageous prayer lives each and every day, that we would have a desire to commune and communicate with you as our Heavenly Father. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we open these verses up in Luke 11, we see that Jesus is praying. Now, the Gospel of Luke and Luke's telling of the Gospel has an emphasis on the prayer life of Jesus. Throughout the Gospel of Luke and throughout Acts, we see an emphasis on having a consistent and courageous prayer life. Just a few years in Luke 3.21, Jesus is praying at His baptism as He is prepared to commit Himself to the ministry that God has called Him to. Luke 4, 42, Jesus starts each and every day or that day with prayer. Luke 6, 12, Jesus is praying before He calls the twelve disciples. Luke 9, 16, Jesus is giving thanks for the food that God has blessed them with as He's preparing to feed the multitudes. In Luke 9, 18, Jesus is by Himself and He's praying. In Luke 9, 28, He's praying on the Mount of Transfiguration as He's preparing to be transfigured in that moment. Luke 22, Jesus is praying for those who are coming under the spiritual attacks of the enemy. In Luke 22:42, Jesus cries out to God in His grief. In Luke 22:42, Jesus, in His grief, as He's praying, prays that the will of God would be done in His life as He prepares for the cross. In Luke 23, Jesus... Don't miss this one. In Luke 23, Jesus prays for His enemies. I'll just stop there for a second. Have you prayed for your enemies? Do we take time to pray for those who we disagree with, those who are against us? Jesus prays for those who hung Him on the cross, who prays for His enemies. Luke 23, 46, Jesus prays while He is facing death. Luke 24, 50, Jesus prays blessings over His followers. Again, you see time and time again that Jesus puts a high priority on His prayer life. He makes a commitment to spend time with His Heavenly Father each and every day. He prays before significant events in His life. He prays before major decisions. He prays when He has great sorrow and He prays when He has great joy. He prays before eating meals. He prays intercessory prayers for others as He is asking God to bless His followers. And listen... He does this while he's an extremely busy fellow. Another verse we see in Luke is in chapter 5 where it says, Great crowds gathered to hear him, but he withdrew to a desolate place and prayed. That is such a huge lesson for us today. With all the people demanding Jesus' time, with all the things that he had to do each and every day, he took time to pray. Now think about it. All these people came to hear him. He could have delivered a great sermon, and I'm sure he did, but the first thing he did was he secluded himself, and he went and he spent time with the Father. There's a lot of things that demand our time and attention every day. A lot of things. Work. Man, so much work to do every day. I know it's summertime, but there's always assignments that students have to do, books that have to be read. Sports are kicking up for the summer trainings. Coaches are demanding our time. We all have favorite TV shows that we want to watch, and that demands our time. We have 
friends who want to spend time with us, our family wants to spend time with us, our co-workers may need to spend time with us. We are busy and people are demanding our time. Well, Jesus is no different. And yet He still made time for the Father. It is no mistake. I've, I've, I've said over and over again in our Sunday night studies, context is king when trying to interpret the Bible. It is no mistake that, G, that Luke writes this lesson on prayer immediately following the story of Mary and Martha. You remember that story. Martha's up running around, talking. Or Martha's up working. I mean, she's busy. She's got to prepare and host the gathering. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping. Martha's working, Mary's worshiping. And Martha gets pretty salty about it. She gets mad. And she goes to Jesus, tell her to get up and work. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. She's doing the necessary thing. Martha, the necessary thing is to spend time with me. Sit at my feet and worship me. Now, Jesus isn't talking about being lazy. He's saying that you've got to make time to be with Jesus. It's no mistake that that story is told, and then he goes right into about spending time with the Father in prayer. The great reformer, Martin Luther, great guy, loved reading his books in seminary. He said this, I have so much to do today. Anybody relate? You wake up tomorrow morning, you got so much to do today. Martin Luther woke up, he said, I got so much to do today. I need to spend three hours in prayer to get it all done. Three hours in prayer to get it all done. That is so counter to our culture, is it not? I, maybe it's just me, but I've got a to-do list, and when I wake up, the first thing on my mind is do, 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 do. I've got to start checking off my, my task for the day. Martin Luther says, instead of starting by checking off the to-do list, go to the Father and let Him help you get through the task of the day. When life is the most hectic, when life is the most stressful, that is when we need to spend time with our Father. When we don't have time, that is when we need to make time for Jesus. Or to say it another way, when we run out of time, find time for the Father. Because it's important to talk to Him, to rely on His strength to get us through the work day ahead, to get us through the stresses. You know, many of us, we, we've got our phones now and we've got calendars. I calendar almost every minute of every day. I just type it in. i got to do this then. i got to do this, 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 this. Let's make it a habit of calendaring time with our Father. Find that time where you can spend with Jesus reading His Word and talking to Him, pouring your heart out to Him, put it on your calendar, and guard that time each and every day. Now, here's what's going to happen. You're going to do it. And you're going to immediately start being distracted while you're praying. I used to be one who prayed at night. And this is just how, this is how it would go for several years. I would lay down and I would start to pray. That's a mistake when you're tired. That's, that's a good reason to get on your knees instead of laying flat on the bed and trying to pray because what's going to happen? You're going to start praying. The next thing you know, your alarm clock's going off the next moment. That's what happens. Or, now I'm all for the holy mobiles and I've got my Bible app and I use it. But if we don't turn our notifications off on our phone when we go to spend time with God, it's going to be ding after ding after ding, and we're going to be distracted. Because we're going to want to know what, what's that email about. We're going to want to know what's, what's trending on Facebook. We're going to want to know those things. So the best, and honestly the best practice is just take your Bible, 
open a hard copy, go into a closet, leave your phone somewhere where you can't hear it, and focus on the fathom. Because if you don't, distraction after distraction, and listen, here's what's going to happen too. Your to-do list will come flooding into your brain the minute you sit down to pray. Because we see prayer, whether we mean to or not, we see prayer as kind of a waste of time. We look at our to-do list and we're like, I'm just sitting here, I'm not doing anything. It's just we see it as a waste of time, but it's not. Jesus didn't see it as a waste of time. He saw it as an essential part of his life because he knew he was dependent upon God for everything. He was dependent upon God for the ministry that he had been called to do. He was dependent upon God for the strength to, to go to the cross. And so Jesus made prior, a prayer a priority in his life because it's essential. You and I have to make it a priority every single day of our life. And the disciples kind of model the attitude that we should have because they see Jesus. They hear Jesus praying, they see Jesus praying, so they go to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. That is fascinating to me because this is the only time they request Jesus teach them something. In all the Gospels, it's the only request you see is Jesus teach us to pray. They had saw Him study. They had saw Him preach. They had saw Him heal people. But that's not what they asked for. They didn't say, Father, how how do I become a better preacher? They didn't say, Jesus, how do I become a healer? Jesus, how do I study the Scripture? No, the only request they made was teach me to pray. Because they desired to have the closeness with God that Jesus had. But they also knew that to be good preachers, they needed to be good prayer warriors. If they were to spread the gospel, they were going to have to spend time praying for the lost. If they were going to heal, they were going to need God's help. If they were going to need wisdom, the Bible says ask for it. If they were going to need strength, they have to pray for it and seek God for it. For comfort, they have to pray. They knew that prayer was the foundational aspect of the ministry because they were dependent upon God. Are you dependent upon God enough to pray every day? Are you dependent upon our Father to spend time with Him? And the disciples, they just want to know how to pray. But I love what they say. Lord, teach us how to pray. These are good Jewish men. They would have known prayers. Their parents would have taught them prayers. They would have known how to recite the Psalms and the Proverbs. They would have known that. So they're not saying, Lord, teach us how to pray, so much as Lord, just teach us to pray. Teach us to do it. You see, prayer is about your heart. Any of us can just read, you know, I've got prayer books and I use the common book of prayer a lot and we can recite those prayers, but prayer and communicating with the Father comes from our heart. See, the disciples, they just want to know how to commune with the Father. And it's funny, we're going to dig into it the next two weeks, but Jesus is not necessarily going to give them something to recite. He's going to give them a model to follow. Where it's going to be a focus on the Father and a focus on the family, which is all Christians, the Christian family. And so, so what you see in the Lord's Prayer is the heart of God because Jesus has a heart for the Father, love the Father, and He's got a heart for people, love others. So when we pray, our heart has to be like the heart of Jesus where we're in love with God and we love people. 
I'm going to have to pay for them. So my challenge kind of to you is spend time in prayer because it's essential to the Christian life. But listen, prayer comes at a great cost. I don't want you to miss this part. What prayer cost Jesus his life. Prayer, the fact that we can talk to God ourselves, is a miracle. It's a miracle that we can approach God's throne. You know, for years and years leading up to the to the death of Jesus, God was supposedly in the holy of holies, and it was separated from a, with a curtain. And you could only the high priest could enter that. Holy of Holies, and he can only do it once a year after a ritualistic cleansing so he could be made pure. So the only access to the Father then was through the priest who had to go through this ritual to be clean to be able to go into the Holy of Holies. But when Jesus died, that curtain ripped right in half and the throne of God was accessible to all people through the blood of Jesus. You see, the priest had to cleanse himself. For you and I today, Jesus' blood cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness and all of our impurities. It is the blood of Christ that forgives us of sins. And there's nothing that we can do to achieve it because Christ has already done the work. So prayer, the fact that we can approach God is a miracle. It's a miracle that we sinful humans can come and talk to a holy, perfect God and it happens through the blood of Christ. Hebrews 4 says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is not some distant deity. He is the Son of God who experienced life that you and I have experienced because He was fully human. He didn't sin, though. He did what Adam could not do and lived a perfect and holy life because He was fully God. And so when He dies on the cross, He is paying the penalty for our sins so that we can be forgiven, so that we can approach God's throne through the grace offered to us through faith in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have the boldness to enter the sanctuary. How? Through the blood of Jesus. He has inaugurated for us new and living way through the curtain. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from any evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold to the confession of our hope without wavering since we who are promised, since he who promised is faithful. Listen, our sin separates us from God. It is our sin that stops us from entering into the presence of holy God. But yet God in his great love for us sent his son to die for us. So if you want to be able to approach God's throne, then you have to first accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You have to make the decision to follow Him and repent of following this world. 
Have you made that decision? Have you said yes to the invitation to come to Jesus? Have you made the decision to turn away from this world and to follow the Lord? Is your eternity secure in heaven? Are you able to approach God's throne with confidence? If not, today your invitation is to come as we prepare to sing this last song. Your invitation is to come and give your life to Jesus. To say yes to following Him, to surrendering it all to Him. Maybe you've done that and you're ready to take the next steps into following Jesus into the waters of baptism. If you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you to come and and make that decision to go public with your faith. To let the world know that you are dead in your sins and you are raised to life with Christ. Take the next steps that God is calling you to take. If it's to follow Him, take that step today. I'll be down here and we'll pray together. If it's baptism, take the next step. I'll be down here to pray with you too. Make the decision that God is calling you to make today because you're not guaranteed to leave here and live a second round. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us how to talk to you. Thank you for making a way to talk to you through your son, Jesus. And as we study in these next few weeks the Lord's Prayer, Father, put it in our hearts to have a desire to talk to you and spend time with you to hear from you through your word. Help us to communicate with you and help us to know that we're dependent upon you for everything we have. Father, don't let us just go through our days without spending time with you. And Father, if there's anybody here who needs to make a decision, I pray that you would just pick them up out of their seats and bring them down here so that their lives would be changed. Their lives would be changed forever. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that the Lord has spoke to your heart and has blessed you through this message. If you would like more information about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ please reach out to us at one of the following locations. You can visit us online at chinagrovefbc.com slash salvation or check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash chinagrovefbc. Thank you and have a blessed rest of the day.